0: Good evening. Good. I didn't have. To, I won't ask a second time. I asked this morning a second time, um, but that was good enough. Um, good to be awake, alive, alert, and enthusiastic. Um, thank you again, just well, thank you for allowing me to come back tonight. Um, it, it's it is good to be here. As I said this morning, it's it's different being up here rather than sitting down at the back. Um, probably one of the biggest shocks for most people today is that I've been on time twice for church. I've been early. Um, I was early this morning and I was early tonight, um, so I have no excuse now next week. Um, but it's really good um, to be back, again, just to to open God's Word together, um, to, to go through one passage tonight. I know this morning we, we looked at sort of two, tonight we're only looking at one. I looked at my watch and I thought, this is brilliant. Um, <laughs> it's not often you get up and you think, yeah, we've got plenty of time here. Sometimes I take my watch off, but do you know what it actually means whenever a speaker takes his watch off in church? absolutely nothing. Um, but it's there anyway, just to, to look the part. Um, I want to start out with a quote um, from Winston Churchill, um, because really tonight this is what I, I, I want to speak on. What I want us to think about is truth. Okay, I want us to think about that word tonight, about truth. And Winston Churchill, he said, men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. Men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. And you know, today, we live in a world, we live in a society where that idea of of truth, it's being done away with. Because we're, we're told that truth, all truth, not just some truths, but we're told that all truth is Relative. And that basically means that it, it can be true for me. We're talking, thinking of all truth. It can be true for me, but not necessarily true for you. Or another way of putting it is truth is whatever you believe it to be. That's what we're being told. And in 2016, the Oxford Dictionary, it actually announced that the word post-truth was their word of the year. Post-truth, after-truth. And that post-truth has been defined as this, relating to a situation in which people are more likely to accept an argument based on their emotions and beliefs rather than one based on facts. It doesn't matter. The facts don't matter. It's what you feel about a certain situation or your emotion about something. That's relative truth. But on the other side of that, on the other end of the spectrum, we have absolute truth. And Wikipedia, font of all knowledge, says this. Absolute truth is something that is true at all times and in all places. It is something that is always true no matter the circumstances. It is a fact that cannot be changed. That is absolute truth. A fact that cannot be changed. So in other words, absolute truth means that something can be true even if you don't believe it to be. Even if you don't believe that it's true, An absolute truth is true. And tonight, that's what I want us to think about. I want us to think about things that are absolutely true. I want us tonight to think about absolute truths. Something that, things that cannot change. They are true, full stop. And I want us to think about these absolute truths, if you like, because tonight that takes feelings out of the equation. It takes your circumstances out of the equation. It takes whatever situation you're going through in life out of the equation. Because tonight, it is truth. And what I want us to think about just for for a few minutes tonight is the truth of who we are in Christ. If you're here tonight and you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if your faith and and trust is in in Jesus Christ, well, I want to think about the truth of, of who we are, what that means for us tonight who we are in, in the one who declared himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He declared himself as those things, and then he backed it up. He backed up everything he said. So tonight, if you have a Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, and it's going to be the first 14 verses. Uh, and what I'm going to do is, well, we're not necessarily going to take the verses in order. I'll, I'll certainly read them all in order to start here, um, and then we'll, we'll look at some of the verses, and we'll, we'll look at some of the truths of who we are. Now, we're not covering every truth of who we are in Christ tonight, Um, obviously not, but we're going to look at at four of them together. So Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. of his glory. Amen. One commentary, and it might even said in your Bible there above verse 3, it gives the key theme of Ephesians as believers' riches in Christ. And you know, Ephesus, Paul was writing to these believers in the place of Ephesus, and Ephesus was a really, really wealthy place. Um, it, it was known historically as the Bank of Asia. You know, it was a little bit, I suppose, like Bangor, if you put it that way, Bangor, the Bank of North Down. Um, But here was Ephesus, a really wealthy place, a lot of material wealth. But here Paul was speaking to to these Ephesus believers about something much, much greater. Something much, much greater than than earthly wealth. And in verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Paul is telling us, as he was telling the Ephesians, that as believers we have been given everything that we need for a full spiritual life. We have already been given everything we need, and whenever we depend on the Spirit, we will have all that we need. And that far, far outweighs the, the material wealth that these guys were used to. But what is this wealth? What, is, or what are these, these blessings that we as believers have? And as I've said tonight, we're going to look at some of them, and it will only be some of them. But remember in all of this tonight we are speaking about truth. Okay, I really wanted to hit that home that we are speaking about something that is fact, something that, that remains constant, something that doesn't change. It doesn't matter how you're sitting there tonight and how you're feeling. It doesn't matter what has gone on last week, what you're thinking about in the week ahead, what will come up around the corner. The truth of God's Word does not change. And it's such a blessing. So the very first truth tonight that I want us to look at is that tonight in Christ, we are accepted. We are accepted. We see that in verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. And you see that word blessed there in verse 6, it can be translated, and on some versions do translate it, the King James translated um, as accepted. He has made us accepted. In the beloved. And that's the first truth tonight. If you're a Christian tonight, God has accepted you. And that's an amazing truth. You know, it's amazing for us because as human beings, all of us have this emotional need to be accepted. Every single one of us, we we like, we we need, not even like, but we need to be accepted by a group. And psychologists refer to this as belongingness. And that idea of belongingness means that, that we all have a need or a want to feel accepted. And, you know, maybe you're here tonight, and and maybe there's been times in your life where you've experienced that need not being met, for whatever reason that might be. And that is a very, very difficult thing. It will have an impact on you emotionally, physically, uh, socially, and, and even spiritually. It's a difficult thing not to be accepted. But, you know, tonight, if you're a believer, then praise God that because of Jesus, you are accepted. And you belong to the creator of this universe. You know, there is no better place that we would want to find acceptance than by God. And tonight, if you're a believer, that is the truth of the matter. And to make that truth even greater tonight, you know, think about it. It means we as as sinful people have been accepted by an absolutely pure, holy, perfect, and just God. That's an amazing thing. And we haven't been accepted because of who we are. We haven't been accepted because of what we have done or or what we can do, which is how human acceptance works. But we have been accepted because of who Jesus is and what he has done. That's why we are accepted tonight. And that's an encouragement tonight. But as I even thought about it during the week, it's challenging. You know, it's challenging because it brings a question to us that if we have been accepted by God, then how accepting are we of others? You know, how accepting are we tonight of of those who aren't like us? How accepting are we of of those who maybe aren't in the same social group of us, those who those people who don't have the same interests as us? Are we aware even of people who are isolated and are we accepted and accepting of them? Are we prepared to get alongside them? You know that applies to other believers, but it also applies to unbelievers as well tonight. How accepting are we of people? You know Paul Tournier, who was a an influential Christian therapist. I say that as if I know him. I don't. I just read this. Um, but apparently, doctors from all around the world they, they travelled to, to his home in Switzerland to learn from him. They wanted to learn from him. They wanted to study from him. And he wrote this about about that situation. He said, "It is a little embarrassing for students to come over and study my techniques." He put it in inverted commas. He says because they always go away disappointed. Because all I do is accept people. All I do is accept people. You know, as Christians tonight, out of all people on the the face of this earth, we should be accepting of others because we have been accepted by the King of Kings. Now, accepting people, it doesn't mean approving or or tolerating or condoning certain behaviors. That's not what I'm saying. But what it does mean is that we realize that, that... every person has value in the sight of God. It means we realize that people are valuable to God. It does mean that that we will listen. It does mean that we will be there for. It does mean that we will care for. And it means that we will be quicker to help than to judge. You know, Jesus not once accepted sin, but you just look through the gospels and look at the sort of people that Jesus often spoke to, often came alongside, He never accepted sin, but he loved and he showed mercy to sinners. You know, whenever others were condemning a woman who was caught in adultery, you know, they they brought her in front of Jesus and they asked, what should they do to her? We know the story. Jesus stooped down. He wrote something in the dust. They still weren't happy. And Jesus then said to him, the one who has never sinned, throw the first stone. And not one person could pick up a stone. Not one person could throw a stone, and the, the New Living Translation puts it that they, they began to slip away. They had to walk away because they realized they couldn't. Jesus was there for that woman. You know, it's so important to remember the, what he said to her. Yes, he was there for that woman, but at the end of that, that, that encounter, he said to her, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. We as sinners have been accepted. That's a great truth tonight. We came to God as we were, and the journey started. We came to him as sinners. We, we came to him with all of the baggage, with all of the guilt, all of the, all of the filth, and the transformation began. And you know, the Bible makes it very clear that, that those to that come to God in faith, that, that they will be changed. But that change is a process. That transformation is, is, is a process, and it's different for different individuals. It will be happening at different speeds, maybe, for different individuals, and we need to bear that in mind. And I think it's essential that, that as a church, as a body of believers, that, that we are there for each other, that we are there f- for others along the road. We're there to help. We're there to lift up. We're there to encourage, to guide, and, and yes, in times, to correct in love. We're all at different stages in this process of, of being conformed to the image Of Jesus. But the truth is tonight that if you are in Christ, you are accepted. You belong. You belong to the King of Kings. That's the first truth. Second one that I I want us to look at, not only are we accepted, but we are redeemed and we are forgiven. You know, verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. We are redeemed and we are forgiven. You know, that idea of redemption, it's the idea of, of ransoming someone from slavery, someone being freed from slavery. And, and because of Jesus tonight, we have been ransomed. We have been delivered. We have been freed from, from slavery to sin, from slavery to guilt. And we have also been forgiven for that sin. You know, verse 4 actually tells us that, that we are holy and without blame before him. That's a big, big statement. You know, I'm speaking to myself here. Do I feel holy and blameless? Do I feel it? No, I don't. I know what I'm like. You know, I know my heart. I know at times the things that I struggle with. Am I holy and am I blameless? Nope. But does that change the truth tonight that because of Christ, positionally, when God looks at me, sees the goodness of his son that means positionally tonight i am holy and blameless before god because of christ if you're a believer tonight you have been clothed in his righteousness that's an amazing truth it's not about how we feel it is about the truth in god's word and whenever the enemy comes along and whenever satan tries to tell you that that you are not good enough that you are worthless, that that are you even saved? How can you think those things as a Christian? How can you act like that? How can you treat that person in that way? Remind yourself, I am a child of God. Positionally, I am forgiven. Positionally, I am holy, and I am blameless. And it's that truth that stirs us into action, if you like. It's that truth that causes us to want to follow him, that wants us to live for Christ. We're not perfect. You know, the Christian life is a journey of ups and downs. We battle with sin. But our position before God tonight is we are holy and blameless in Christ. And that is truth. You know, we're reminded over and over again in Scripture what God has done with our sins. I'll rhyme off some of them here. God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103. He forgives our sins. 1 John 1, 1.9. He has thrown our sins into the sea. Micah seven nineteen he throws it behind his back, Isaiah thirty eight he blots them out, Isaiah forty three he forgets them, Hebrews eight he removes them, Psalm one hundred and three he covers them, Romans four and he takes them away, John one twenty nine. You know that is what God has done with your sin tonight, and that is the truth. You know Tim Challies puts all of that like this. So what does God do with your sin? He throws it behind his back, he drowns it in the sea, he treads it underfoot, he blots it out, he forgets it, he removes it, he covers it, he takes it away, he cancels it, he washes it, and he forgives it. And God can do and will do all of this in the present because of one thing he did in the past. God laid your sin on Jesus. That is truth tonight. I've already said it. Even as believers, we do sin but we have the the truth that whenever we confess our sin, God cleanses us. And that means that we are then free to live a life for him. We're free to live a life without sin, without guilt, without self-condemnation hanging over us. We're free to live for him in response to what he has done for us. That's why we live for him. It's why we love, because he first loved us. And as we depend on him every day, Through His Spirit, we are enabled to to live that way. We're enabled to have the victories over sin because of Him and who He is. That's a great blessing tonight of being in Christ. And it's based on the truth that we are redeemed and we are forgiven. Third truth tonight. We're accepted, we're redeemed and forgiven, and we are sons and daughters of God. Verse 4 even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. We have been adopted as sons, as sons, as daughters, as children through Jesus Christ. You know, it makes it pretty clear in these verses it has nothing to do with us because it is through Jesus Christ. And it's amazing to think tonight that as believers, we have been born spiritually anew. You know, we know that you must be born again. You know, we have been born spiritually into God's family. That new birth happened, that new creation began. But as well as being born again, we have also been adopted. We have also been adopted. That means we haven't just been born spiritually, but we have been taken, we have been adopted, we have been chosen. Chosen into his family. You see, God not only saved us, but he wanted us. That makes it even more amazing. You know, there's an example I, I read, I think it was last year actually, in, in Our Daily Bread. And in this, the, the little writing bit, it, it spoke about how great, you know, how great it would be to hear of a, of a millionaire who, who builds an orphanage. You know, it would be lovely to hear that of a millionaire building an orphanage and For all of those homeless children and most orphans would be delighted you know to have someone build an orphanage for them but then take that thought one step further and imagine that millionaire walks into that orphanage and he takes one of those orphans uh, and he brings them out of that orphanage and he takes them to to his own mansion and he adopts them into his own family how must that one orphan feel to know that someone isn't just content with helping them Someone wasn't just content with providing them with a, with a shelter and food over their head, but they actually wanted them as a member of their own family. And the thing is tonight that if you're God's child tonight, you know how that feels. Because God didn't just love you enough to save you from your sin. He didn't just love you enough to save you from a lost eternity. And let's face it, that probably would be enough. I'm being honest about it, that probably would be enough for us that that God saved me from a lost eternity. He saved me from my sin, but God went further. He went further than that, and he not only saved us, but he wanted us. He wanted us to be part of his family. You know, we have a close relationship with our creator, and that adoption, that, that new birth means that we are sons and daughters of God, but it also means tonight that we are joint heirs with Christ. And that being joint heirs, having that inheritance, it means that we are going to one day share everything with Christ. You know, Romans 8, 7, or Romans eight seventeen says, Now, if we are children, which we are, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. See, we yes, we share with everything, and that includes his sufferings, but the great truth is that We will share in his glory, which is far, far greater. Far greater. We have a great inheritance waiting for us. You know, verse 10 gives us a glimpse of that inheritance because it tells us that ultimately God's plan is to unite or to gather together all things in him, to gather together everything under the authority of Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. In other words, eternity. That's what we're thinking about here. One day God will wipe away every tear. One day God will undo the mess that sin has caused and he will bring everything back together perfectly. You know, one of the kids' books, Micah, I think it's one of Micah's books, and I can't even remember which one it is, but I'd written this down. And and it puts it this way, sometimes things that are written to kids and put in the child language is, it just makes it easier to understand. And this is what it said. It says, the world is still broken. We still sin, we still die. Things aren't the way they are meant to be. But Jesus is coming back again. Not as a baby this time, but as king of the whole world. And then he will mend his broken world. There will be no more tears or sickness or dying. While we wait, God wants us to remember sin, sickness, tears, death, they will not last. They will come to an end that's the inheritance. That's the hope that we have tonight in Christ. That's the hope that we have if we are sons and daughters of him. I you know verse 11, it, it tells us that that inheritance is sure because it says that word, we have already obtained it. It's not wishful thinking. It's something that we already have. You know, that means we receive spiritual blessings now while we're here in this earth, and in future, we will share in all of the riches of God's kingdom as his children. What a truth tonight. We are accepted. We are redeemed and forgiven. We are sons and daughters of God. And the final truth tonight, the truth that in him we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, The gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You know, in that, how were we sealed with the Holy Spirit? Well, we were sealed whenever we heard the word of truth, whenever we heard the truth, whenever we heard the gospel message, and whenever we believed when we believed in Christ, when we put our trust in Christ, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You know, John MacArthur writes this. He says, God's own spirit comes to indwell the believer and secures and preserves his eternal salvation. The Holy Spirit is given by God as a pledge of the believer's future inheritance in glory. You see, our salvation and our security is God's work. And that is the truth. It is not our doing. We could never save ourselves and we could never keep our salvation. But we praise God tonight. He does both of those things for us. And the seal of the Holy Spirit is there to guarantee that for us. You know, we read this truth in, in Romans 8, 38. In the Amplified Version, it says this, for I am convinced and I continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord that's truth tonight you know in a world that doesn't seem to to like absolute truth very much we can be glad tonight that we know not just a truth But we know the one who is the source of all truth. In fact, we know the one who is the truth. And it's tonight that because of him, as believers, we are accepted. We are accepted by God. We are accepted by our creator. We are accepted by a perfect and holy and just and good God tonight. And we are redeemed and forgiven. We have been bought with a price. We have been freed from slavery. Our sins have been not only forgiven, but our sins have been forgotten. God has forgotten your sins tonight. Don't let yourself, don't let the devil remind you of them. Yes, when we sin, when we mess up, we go to Him. We confess our sins to Him. We depend on Him each and every day to live for Him in the light of what He has done for us. We are His sons and His daughters, and we have all the blessings and all the benefits that that brings now an ultimate one day in heaven, one day in eternity, the great inheritance that awaits for us. All tears will be wiped away. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who preserves us. He is the one who keeps us. He is the one who guarantees that inheritance for us. You know, there aren't any riches in the world that could ever compete with any of that. And that's just some. You know, I read at the very start, Winston Churchill He said, men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing has happened. I really hope tonight and I trust tonight that that no one would leave here. No one would leave this building having heard the truth of God's word and and hurry off as if nothing has happened. You know, I prayed earlier that that God would speak not just to non-believers, but he would speak to believers as well and that he would change all of us. He's a God who changes. He's a God who wants to continually change us. He's a God who wants us to continually grow each and every day so we're conformed to the image of His Son. Yes, there are ups and downs, but trust tonight in Him. Trust in the truth of who He is tonight. Because tonight there is absolute truth and that truth is a person. And He said it Himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Let's just pray and then I'll Hand back over to the musicians. Thank you. Father, we just want to thank you tonight for, for your word. Um, we want to thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, we thank you tonight that, that your word is constant, um, that your word is unchanging, that your word will never be changed, that your word will never die out. And Father, we thank you it's because your word is absolute truth. And Lord, we just pray you'd help us to, to go to that word. Um, father whenever things are difficult whenever father we have doubts whenever we lack assurance help us to realize father that our our feelings will do that to us our emotions will do that to us because they are not constant they change but father the truth of your word never changes so help us lord to always go back to that foundation the foundation of who you are the foundation of who jesus is and the foundation of what he has done for each and every one of us tonight thank you for jesus thank you that he came into this world Thank you, Father, that he showed, he showed the world who you are. He showed your character. He showed his God. And, Father, he died on that cross for each and every one of us. Father, he gave himself. He sacrificed himself so that, Father, we could have these wonderful blessings so that we could be redeemed, we could be forgiven. Father, we could call ourselves your sons and daughters. We could have the Holy Spirit. And, Father, so that we could be accepted by you. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you for accepting us, even though we were your enemies. Father, you changed us, and we just pray, Father, you would continue to change us. That, Father, that we would live our lives as the forgiven people that we are. That we would live our lives because of what you have done for us. And that, Father, we would happily live for you. We will serve you, and Father, whatever that means. Father, just continue to be with us tonight, and we just thank you for being here today. We thank you, Father, that you are with us, and we pray that throughout this next week, each person here would, would feel your presence. We would, we would know your, your guiding hand. We would know your hand of protection. And, Father, just help us to live for you this week. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.